Well, hey, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Arise with Amber. Thank you guys so much for joining me this week. I thoroughly enjoy studying the Word of God and bringing all of these subjects and topics and scriptures to you guys. I'm grateful to have you here. For whatever reason that God has brought you here, I'm grateful that you're here. So today, this week, I should say, was back to school for our kids, and so many of your kids, I'm sure, went back to school, and we officially have a sixth grader and a fourth grader. And I can't even believe that London is starting sixth grade. She's starting middle school and Lincoln is in fourth. I feel like time has gone by so much quicker now these past couple of years. Whereas when I was in the thick of it of motherhood, when I had them all under five, it seemed like the time went by a little bit slower. But now I feel like it's just like I'm blinking and she's turning into a teenager. So I'm really trying to just soak in all these moments with her. But they had a great first back to school couple days and I pray that your kids did as well and I just want to pray right now over our kids and over the parents and over the teachers and just over the faculty and the staff and just over everything right now for back to school season if you guys will just join me in prayer well God we just thank you for the gift of another day Lord we thank you so much for our children, the blessings that they are. God, your word says that they are a blessing. May we see every single child as a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for our teachers and the faculty and staff and administrators and aides and helpers and everyone who pours into our children. God, we pray for them as they gear up for another school year. We pray for their hearts, Lord, as they sacrifice time with their families, uh, grading papers and, and praying for our kids. And we know that so many of our teachers truly love and value and invest in all of our children, God. And so we just pray for our teachers' hearts and we pray for the schools. And we know that so many schools, Lord, don't teach your word. God, they, they teach things that differ from your word. They teach things that go against your word. And God, so I just pray for the hearts of these students that are stepping into these places. God, I pray for the parents who have children, who are stepping into these spaces, who are stepping into the world and the world of public school who might not be teaching what we value, Lord, which is your word and your truth. I pray for their hearts. Lord, may, may we be the ones to lead our children before we send them into the world. Our first ministry is in our home, God. So we pray that you equip us with your wisdom and your knowledge and your truth so that we can instill these things into our children before we send them out into the world, God. And we know, Lord, that they are not ours, that they have been given to us for a time. So we trust you, Lord, and just help us to live with open hands. Help us to live in full surrender as we send them out into the world. God, we pray protection over them. We pray protection over their hearts and their minds, the things that they're learning, Lord. Shield them, cover them, guide them. God, we pray that they can step into the world and the schools and be bold for you, be different for you, have confidence in you and in who you say that they are. God, help us to instill that in who Christ says that they are. We don't want the world to tell them who they think that they are. God, let us instill your truth into their hearts. We pray for the principals. We pray for the bus drivers. We pray for the janitors. We pray for everyone who our children are going to be involved with stepping into this school season. Most of all, we just pray that they know you, Lord. Draw them to you. Change their hearts every day. We know that sometimes they might be facing really hard things at home. God, just be with them. Give them your peace. Give them your strength. 
Let them know that they are not alone and that there is nothing that they can't get through with you. We praise you. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, okay, I just wanted to read from Deuteronomy today, and it's Deuteronomy 6, and we have this on a sign in our home, and Mavi has been actually pointing to it. I might have said this on my last arise, I can't remember, but as he walks by, my mother-in-law was here taking care of him, and he would go past the sign, and he would point at it, and he would want her to read it, and so she read it over and over and over, and then she, and then he would ask to go to the picture of River, so he would go back and forth between the two. Um, which he had never done before. But I just want to read Deuteronomy 6 to you guys because it's a command that we have from our Lord and we should be instilling these truths into our children. So it reads, uh, this is Deuteronomy 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, By keeping all his statutes and all his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." Parents, we have a duty to raise our children up. We have a duty to instill the truth of God's word on our children. And it starts in our houses. It starts around our dinner table. It starts around us in our bedrooms at night, putting the children down. It starts in the morning when they rise. It starts in our car when we're driving them to and from school and to and from practice. Our teachers are there to teach, yes. But we are there to lead. We are there as their parents and at the forefronts of their learning. And it's up to us to instill in them who Christ says they are. Especially if they're, if they're going to public schools, which my kids did for a little while. Especially if they're stepping out into the public school place where God is not taught. God is not welcomed. There's actually everything taught against the Lord. So it's our duty as parents to open up our Bibles. Pray with them. Pray over them. Sit down at the dinner table. Talk about scripture. Ask questions. Let them know why we believe what we believe. Let them know that they can trust the Lord with all their heart and with all their strength. You might do homeschool. You might do private school. You might do public school. But whatever you do, our children are in a spiritual battle every single day for their souls, for their minds. There are things, there is, there is an enemy prowling around waiting to devour them, waiting to distract them, waiting to put a wedge in between them and the relationship with God, to attack families, to attack marriages, to attack relationships, to attack friendships. So it's up to us to help them put on the armor of God. You know, there's the saying, 
at whenever you whenever you're on a flight in the airplane you you need to put the mask on yourself first and then put it on the person next to you or your child we have to fill our hearts and our minds with the truth and the word of the lord so that we can then help them put their armor on because right now they're little they're little and they're looking to us to help them to instill these things in them to send them out into the world to teach them what God's truth is before the world gets a hold of them and the world tells them what God isn't. Pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray for them to know the Lord most of all. Pray for God to, to draw them to him, to save them, to change their heart, to, to make them have conviction of sin, to repent, to ask for forgiveness, and to know that when they do all of these things, the Lord is there with them through everything. There's nothing that they can go through in this world that the Lord will not be there with them. Remind them that you're there with them. Be their comfort. Be their confidant that they can come and, and talk to and, and teach them about the things of this world. You know, we don't want to shield and shelter them completely because then whenever they get out on their own, they're going to be shell-shocked and not know what's going on. We want to teach them. Like, these are the things that are happen- happening in the world, and our family is different. We're called to be different. I saw a, a reel the other day from a pastor that I follow, Jonathan Pecluda. He's out of Waco. And he was saying his family is called to be different. And so I had London sit down to watch it because there are things that we don't allow in our family that other other kids get to do. And I had them watch it and I told them, your friends are going to start to date sooner than other people. Your friends are probably going to get social media, Snapchat, Instagram, all of those things before you're going to be allowed to do that. There's going to be a lot of things that you're going to get mad at us and you're going to say, oh, well, so-and-so is doing this. It's not fair. I hate this. You never let me do anything. And we're going to say, I know. I know there are some things that your friends get to do that you're not going to get to do. But you have to trust us because we're called to follow Jesus. We're not called to follow the world. So we're going to look different. Our path is narrow. There's a wide road out there that leads to destruction. And we're trying to keep you on the narrow path. Now, we know that we we're not your savior. We can't save you, but we can lead you to the one that can. So we're going to look different. Our family's going to look different, but we're still going to have a lot of fun. So just pray for them to know God. Pray for your own heart that you can fill yourself with the truth and the knowledge of the Lord so that you can lead and encourage them and guide them in the way that they should go. And as I said, we know that our children are not our own. They are the Lord's. So while we can do all these things, we can take them to church, we can pray with them, we can read with them, we can teach them God's word, only God can save their heart. But we can pray for that salvation. We can pray for the Lord to draw them near, to save them, to draw them back to himself. And then we live our lives like this, like I say all the time with open hands. And we say, God, I know that, and I thank you that you have given them to me for a time. Help me to lead them. Help me to guide them. Help me to instill in them your truth. But then, I, but then they're yours. Take them. Take them and make them mighty warriors for your kingdom. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I spoke a couple weeks ago at Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and I spoke at their She Is Women's Conference. And I spoke on the fiery trials and, and the fiery furnace of affliction. And I wanted you guys to be able to hear that message too. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to end this right now. I'm going to say that you are chosen and I am going to have Paul cut to the audio from that message that I gave. And London was there with me and I had another friend there with me and it was such a blessing to be there with all of those women. So I hope that I can encourage you and if you are a gentleman that's watching, I hope that it will still encourage you as well on how we can have 
faith in our sovereign Lord through the fiery trials and the fiery furnace of affliction because we have someone else that's in the fire with us. If you have if you have trusted and believed and repented of your sin and turned to the Lord Jesus, he is right there in that fire with you. And at times he brings us through the fire, but it's for our good and his glory. So I hope this message blesses you. Thank you so much for watching. You are chosen. I will see you guys next week. If you want to find me, you can find me at arisewithamber.com or you can email me at arisewithamber at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Amber Emily Smith. I will see you guys next week. Have a great week. Bye. Okay, guys, can y'all hear me? My husband is much better with a microphone than I am, so I'm still getting used to this. I'm so grateful to be here with you guys. As Kim said, we met at another church not long ago, and she was so gracious and so kind to ask me to be here with you ladies tonight. So she also mentioned that I just came from Texas, and it is 107 degrees there. So the bonus of me getting to have fellowship with you is that I get like 30-degree cooler weather here. It's been amazing. And some people, I think our Uber driver was saying how hot it was. And I was like, this is amazing. So I'm grateful to be here with you guys. As they just introduced me, my name is Amber Smith. And I think we have a couple of photos of my family So that's my sweet family there. I actually was able to come with my daughter, London. She's here today. She's 11 and she's amazing. And she is in her word as well. So I'm just, I'm just grateful. Praise God for that. My husband there, Granger, he, we've been married going on 14 years. And as was mentioned, God got a hold of our family in a mighty way. And he told me that there are too many hurting people in the world to do anything else. So He's finishing out his last music tour after 24 years of touring. He's in seminary right now, and he just wants to go and share the gospel with everybody that he knows. So I'm so, it's been such a blessing to watch him step into that. We had, there was Lincoln in the other photo too. He's, um, he's nine, he's going to be 10. He's the sweetest little boy, but he's also called me about every five minutes to ask me to come home. (laughs) So this is River. He is our sweet three-year-old, forever three-year-old who is now with Jesus We lost him in 2019, and in the very first photo, there was also a photo of Maverick, who we just had in 2021, and he is just our miracle blessing that we never thought we would have, and it's just, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You know, I look at that photo, and those smiles, I didn't know if we would ever have those again, and I'll tell you a little bit about more about our story, but it's by the grace of God that we can still smile like that today, and it's by the grace of God that I'm here with you guys, so... Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we are able to gather here today and share your word. Let it not be lost on us. What a blessing and a privilege that that is when there are people all over the world who are dying for that, who are dying for professing their faith and their love for you. God, I just pray for every woman in this room. You know what they are going through. You know what they have been through. You know where they are going. Lord, I pray that you will just break our hearts for what breaks yours. Draw us close to you, God. Draw the hearts that are far from you. Draw the ones that, are, that have a relationship with you. Draw us deeper. Lord, may I decrease as you increase. Let your word come through me, God. We praise you. We worship you. We give you all the glory today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my husband and I were praying the other night before bed, and we were praying for all of our friends and what each person is going through in their lives. And 
it just seems like everyone right now that we know is walking through some sort of fiery trial. There's everything from marriage problems, there's adultery, there's abandonment, there's divorce, there's cancer, there's sickness, there's burying of loved ones, there's depression, car wrecks, addiction, incarceration, you name it, somebody around you is going through it. That may be some of you guys that are here tonight. And you may be walking through your own fiery furnace of affliction. And I just want to say that if that is you, I commend you for showing up today. Because I know how hard it is to walk into a room and put a smile on your face when inside you're hurting or you're grieving. And you feel like nobody else around you knows exactly what you're going through. And I just want to tell you that I see you and that God sees you and he has placed you here for a purpose. I want to go, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to go to Isaiah tonight. I'm going to read Isaiah 43. And if one lives long enough in this fallen world, we will all go through trials. We will all go through the fiery furnace of affliction. And people ask, you know, why? Why, God? Why does a good God allow these things to happen if he loves us so much? So I hope to take you through some of God's word tonight, and I hope that I can show you that not only does he allow us to walk through the fire, but that he purposes it for our good and for his glory. And I hope to show you that your trials are not meaningless, that they have purpose, and that they are doing something for you and in you and through you. And I hope to shift your view of suffering, even in just a small way, to make you encouraged or to make you empowered to run to your savior instead of away whenever those trials come. So Isaiah 43 reads, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The second verse I want to read tonight is Isaiah 48:10, and that says, Behold, I have refined you, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. So how many in this room have felt like they have walked through a fire? Pretty much everybody. How many of you are possibly feeling that right now? That you are going through something in your life right now? How many of you have felt like you are about to be utterly consumed with the things that are going on around you? I know that feeling. On June 4th, 2019, my seemingly perfect little life went up in flames. Before this day, Granger and I were living a a happy life. You know, we had a little bit of land. We had three healthy kids. We had two dogs and a cat. He was a successful touring musician, and we had a great marriage. That evening in June, right after dinner... My husband and I lost our beautiful three-year-old son, River, to a drowning in our backyard. 
And I'm sure you can imagine how horrific of an event that was for myself and my husband and my daughter and my son to witness. One minute, River was laughing and playing and and squirting a water gun, and he was shooting his daddy and shooting his brother. And the next minute, I heard my daughter scream. And I ran out of the house to my husband doing CPR inside of our pool gate on our lifeless son. He had somehow reached the barrier. He had somehow breached it and got into the pool silently and quickly without anyone seeing it. When you face a loss of that magnitude, you don't know if you will ever smile again. You don't know if you will ever find joy again. You cannot see through the flames. You cannot see through the smoke that is just billowing around you. Nothing makes sense. How did this happen? Why did this happen? Where are you, God? Will your family make it through this? I want to give you a little backstory to my faith because I think some people think that when I'm standing up here and I'm sharing the word of God, that I've been a Christian my whole life. And I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I went to church occasionally, but we never brought it home with us. We would go on Christmas and Easter and we didn't ever talk about it at home. I didn't know what Jesus had done for me on the cross. I read my Bible for the first time at 38 years old. So I wasn't, I wasn't born a Christian. I, I haven't always had this faith. But when Granger and I got married and we began to start a family, I began to feel conviction in wanting to give my children a firm foundation. And I didn't even really know what that meant, but all I knew is I felt a pool that I needed to start going to church. And I began taking my kids. I began going to Bible studies. I began doing conferences just like these. And I was reading my devotionals, and I really finally began to feel a peace in my life, like I was, I was on the right path with my family. I was doing everything I was supposed to be doing. And then that night in June happened. I look back on that one-year period before we lost River, when I was, I was going to church, and I was reading my devotionals, and I was going to Christian women's conferences, and I see now that God had been preparing my heart for what I was about to endure. And he was placing a community of people in my life who were going to walk with me through that fire. He was imprinting his word on my heart so that I could remember those verses about suffering and hope. And perhaps he's doing that for you tonight. Perhaps he's doing that for you right now. The pain from having to pick out a tiny casket for your three-year-old son was almost too much to bear. I, I didn't know that a human could cry as many tears. I think, you know, when you have a loss like that, you cry so much that no, no more tears even come out. You can't even cry anymore. That grief at times did feel all-consuming. And so much in our lives, the grief does feel like you will be consumed. But God's word says in that verse in Isaiah, though you walk through the fire, the flames will not consume you. So I knew that I had a choice after my loss. I knew I could shut down. I could give up. I could run away from the savior that I had been learning about and reading about and drawing near to. Or I could lean in and I could trust what his word said. I had a husband, I had two other babies that I needed to be there for, so giving up for me was not an option. 
each day as I, most days, laid on the floor, crying out to God, surrendering my life, saying, I can't do this, Lord. I need you. I cannot do this. Each day, his mercies were new. And each day, he gave me just enough to keep going, just enough to put one foot in front of the other, just enough, even if sometimes that was breath by breath or heartbeat by heartbeat, it was just enough to keep going. He showed me that his grace is sufficient, that when I seek his word, when I draw near to him, that he is enough. I learned in drawing near to God, I learned his character. By pouring over his word, I learned how good he was, even in the midst of our suffering. In drawing near in my surrender, I learned the truth of his word. He doesn't allow his daughters to be consumed. But we also have a part in this. We cannot just give up. When things happen, when life gets hard, we cannot just roll over and give up and run away from the Savior. We must run to him. We must fill our minds with his truth when the lies of the world and the lies of the enemy are trying to overtake you because that's what the enemy wants. He wants nothing more than to separate you from the love of God. This is a battle. This is a spiritual battle every day. And you have an enemy prowling around seeking to destroy you seeking to destroy your family, seeking to destroy your marriage, your faith, your relationships. So we have a choice. You allow that to happen, you retreat and just give up, or you put on your armor and you go to war. In that verse in Isaiah, he says to fear not that you are not in this battle alone. He says that he is with us through it all, And as we sang about, I was asking if the songs were chosen before, I just sent them my message today, but I was asking if the songs were chosen because we sang about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it's a story in the Bible where they are put into a literal fiery furnace because they will not forsake their God. And three of them go in, bound, but when the men look, they see four, walking around, unbound, unscathed, unburned. They see four. There was another in the fire with them. And there's another in the fire with you. And that's our Lord. God's word does not shy away from telling us that we will have trouble, that we will face tribulation, that we will have trials. But in that same breath, when Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. Every individual that God used mightily in scripture went through seasons of heartache and wilderness and imprisonment, and they went through pain. We read about Job. He lost everything, everything. But what what did God do? He restored him, and then some. We read about Joseph, who was sold into slavery, who was betrayed by the ones that were closest to him. But we learned that what the enemy meant for evil God meant for good. Elijah had people wanting to kill him. Esther risked her life for the Jewish people. Jesus' disciples lost their lives for their faith and their commitment to him. And God's own son, God's own son, 
He didn't spare his son. Was beaten and nailed to a cross by the predestined foreknowledge plan of God for you and for me to be a substitute for your sin. Jesus took the wrath that we deserve so that you could be made right in relationship with him, so that you could be forgiven for those that repent and believe in him, so that you could have eternal life, you could have rest and peace and forgiveness and joy in the midst of pain and suffering. If all of those people in scripture, all of those people who God called had to endure so much, why do we think that we're going to be any different? And why do we think that if he got them through it, why do we think he can't do the same for us? Why would he not do the same for us, his chosen, called daughters of the king? All of the suffering that we read about in scripture, we, we read that it has purpose, that it has meaning, that it is not accidental, that it is not meaningless. And the fiery trials that you face, that you're walking through right now, that you will walk through someday, are not meaningless either. So if we know that God is good and we know that he has purposed these things, then we must look for the meaning in them. We must search the scriptures so that we can not only trace his hand, but we can trace his heart. So scripture tells us in 1 Peter, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Psalm 66.10 says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Job 23.10 but he knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I will come out as gold. First Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. James 1, 2 through 4, I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but it's important. <laughs> James 1, 2 through 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Ladies, this pain, this heartache, this loss, this divorce, this car wreck, any of these trials that we're facing, they are refining you. They are drawing you near to the feet of Jesus, which is where we need to live our lives, at his feet. They are purifying you. They are, they are pruning things away from you that are, are blocking you from the Lord. They are pruning sin and idols and, and taking things away that you're, fo you're too focused on. They're making a way for something new to be born. They're making a way for something new to grow. They're enabling you to have compassion and empathy for other people who are suffering 
who are going through the same trial that you have been through. They're preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This life is so short. This life is a vapor. And these light momentary afflictions, while they seem so strong and so long, are light. And they are preparing for you an eternal weight of glory beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And lastly, they're putting God's glory on full display. When you rise from the ashes and you sing, as we sang about tonight, as you sing of the goodness of God, you sing of his faithfulness through everything that you have been through, you give God the glory. As much as you may not want to hear it, God is more concerned with your holiness than he is with your comfort. And he's more concerned with your heart posture towards him, your sanctification. He doesn't promise us a comfortable life, but he promises to be our comforter when our life gets hard. The Isaiah verse says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Guys, that's a promise from our savior. That's a promise from the one who created us, from the one who formed us, from the one who calls you his. It doesn't say if you do, it says when you do, I will be with you. We have the greatest company in our deepest suffering. Isaiah 43, I'm sorry, Isaiah 49, 13 says, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. We sang there's honey in the rock. There's such a sweet solace in knowing that the Lord is acquainted with our grief and he walks with us through it all. And many times he carried me. And I know many times he's gonna carry you guys when you can't stand. He reminds us that not only is he with us through the fire, that he walks with us through the fire, but he is our peace through it. Jesus says, I tell you these things so that you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I didn't know it was possible, but it is possible to have joy and peace through your deepest pain. But that peace is a person, and that joy is a person. And you have to draw near to him. You have to take your eyes off of your fire, off of the things of this world, and turn your eyes up. Loneliness, sickness, heartache, loss, grief, all the hard things that we face are pathways to God. If we turn our focus away from what is seen and we focus on what is unseen, because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal, we were driving with our kids the other day and we saw, we saw smoke. We, we drove past this pretty large burned area and the grass and everything around it was completely black and there was a ton of smoke. And my son Lincoln said, oh, I hope everyone is okay. That looks really bad. And Granger looked over at it and he said, well, that looks like a controlled burn. I don't know if you guys have controlled burns here, but um, controlled burns are prescribed burns and they're monitored controlled fires that are set on fire on purpose and they have benefits. And some of those benefits include removing vegetation to make room for new growth, shifting soil nutrients around to a more favorable state. They help reduce the spread of invasive plants and pest species. 
They consume things that are already dead, such as downed trees, and this reduces the risk of other intense wildfires. And as soon as we told the kids the benefit of the controlled burn, it went from, oh, that looks really bad, to, well, that's really cool. And when you, when you find out that there is purpose behind something, even something that looks really bad, it begins to make more sense. When we look at the things of this world with our natural eyes, with our finite minds, things can look really bad. Things can look really scary. Things can look really out of control. But when we look to the one who began it and see that it has a planned purpose and a benefit for us, we gain knowledge, we gain understanding, we gain trust in a situation that it it does have purpose. Our sovereign Lord in his word says, he has prescribed these controlled fires, controlled burns for our benefit. And we, when we draw near to him, we can trust in the process. We can trust and we can begin to grow through it. It's through the fire where you see what you're made of. When he tries us, we come out as gold. We come out stronger Our faith is deeper. Our eyes are on the eternal prize, which is Jesus. If everything else was taken from us, if everything was taken away from you, is Christ enough? Is he enough? Because his word says, when my heart and my flesh may fail, Lord, you are my portion forever. I had said that Granger and I were living a a seemingly good, happy life before we lost our son. We had a nice home. We had healthy kids. We had good careers. We were church attendees, but we were doing nothing for the kingdom. We were not truly following and walking with Christ. We hadn't read our Bibles yet. We were cultural Christians. We would say that we knew who Jesus was. We knew that he died for our sins, but we weren't followers of Christ. We hadn't surrendered our life to him as Lord over our lives. And God brought us through a fire that almost killed us to make us come alive in him. It was in and through that loss where our family was changed, where I surrendered my life to Christ, where my husband surrendered his life. That's why he's on the new path that he's on. That's why I'm standing here today to share the good news of the gospel and of Jesus with you ladies. It was in and through the loss of our son where we stopped thinking, we stopped seeking the things of this world and began to seek our savior The Bible says, through many trials, one will enter the kingdom of heaven. But on earth, we want to escape trials. We don't don't want any part of that. We don't want to feel the pain. We want easy, happy lives. We don't want to lose our comfort. We want the kingdom. We want eternity with Jesus. But we don't want to suffer like he did. We want the crown, but we don't want the cross. I once read that If we want to be like Jesus, which is what we're called to do, we have to remember that he had a wilderness. He had a Gethsemane, and he had a Judas. If God never allowed sadness, how could we ever appreciate joy? If God never allowed sickness, how could we ever appreciate our health? If God never allowed the storm, how could we ever appreciate the sun and the rainbow? If we never knew dark, how could we ever fall in love with light? 
when the trials of this world take us to our knees, when we can't see past the tears, we have to go to his word. We have to trust the promises of what he says. Your pain is not meaningless, but if you are here today and if you are seeking and trusting in anything other than Jesus, it can feel that way. It can feel like none of this makes any sense, that God is not good. May we be women who keep our eyes, our minds, and our hearts on Jesus. May we be women who know that he will never let us be consumed. May we be women who arise through adversity, clothing ourselves in the armor of God and going to battle in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we be women who tell the world of his goodness in and through our pain. May we be women who say, instead of why me, God, why? May we be women who say, what are you showing me, Lord? What do you have for me in this? How can I serve you? What are you teaching me? May we be women who bring him glory when we learn how to suffer well. Dare I say, may we be women who thank him for these trials because this is what brings us to his feet. This is what brings transformation in our lives. This is what deepens our faith. One of my favorite suffering women is Elizabeth Elliot, and she wrote a book called Suffering is Never for Nothing. She says, through my deepest waters, hottest fires, and darkest days, God has taught me the deepest and most eternal lessons. I don't know what you are walking through tonight. I don't know what you have been through. I don't know what is coming your way. But I know we serve a good God, a faithful God, who formed you, who loves you, who gave his life for you, who is calling you, who is calling you to him. As the verse read in the beginning, behold, I have refined you, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I have chosen thee. He has chosen you for this trial. He has entrusted you with it. So what will you do in it? What will you learn from it? How will you grow? Who will you help? Who will you encourage? How will you go deeper in your faith with our Lord? One of my favorite sentences in a book that I read while I was grieving is from a book called In a Boat in the Middle of a Lake. And it said, Jesus, if you could love me in your suffering... I will love you in mine. And I love that. He loved us on that cross. Our sins are what nailed him to it. How dare we turn away when life gets hard? May we continue to love him and trust him through the fiery furnace of affliction. And may we know, as it says in 1 Peter 5.10, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God is faithful to redeem, and God is faithful to restore, and some of us might not see that this side of heaven, and we need to know that. But may we be women who continue to run the race before us, who endure, who stay steadfast, who trust him, so that we can share in the glory that is to come 
when he will wipe away every tear, when there will be no more death, no more sickness, and all will be made new. Ladies, if you don't know the Jesus that I'm talking about, if you don't have a relationship with him, I encourage you to run to him today. Fall on your knees. Ask him to reveal himself to you in a mighty way. Open up your Bible. Pray. God, I don't know you. I'm I'm scared, but I want to know you. I can't do this alone anymore. I want to surrender my life to you. Draw near to his feet. Ask him to help your unbelief. Ask him to help you. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for relationship. And when you do, don't ever look back. Don't ever look back. Don't be like Lot's wife. Don't ever look back. Go all in. Seek him. Follow him. Be obedient to his word. Trust him. And after he saves you, after he transforms you from the inside out, go forth and plant those seeds for generations to come and pray that in God's timing, those seeds will take root and bear so much fruit for the kingdom. Thank you guys. Thank you.